Wild baby. Wild baby. Wild baby? Wild baby. Welcome back to another episode of Wild Baby. We're your hosts, Maddie Wong and Jay Begay, Colorado-based portrait photographers sharing our personal perspectives and journeys through societal expectations on beauty. Wild Baby is here to provide people of color, gender identity, and sexual expression a safe community that will allow everyone to grow, learn, and heal. Disclaimer, we are not licensed therapists, sexologists, or claiming that we know everything. We are just a community who wants to have interesting conversations that will hopefully allow us to heal. What up, babies? <laughs> What's good? Uh, today we've got some exciting, exciting topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty amazing person, super inspired by, but we want to do a self-check-in. How's everyone feeling? It's, it's a new moon for me. I feel like, honestly, kind of a badass. I'm in Leo rising right now, and so I feel a little cocky most of the time. And I need to check my ego every now and then, but I do feel a lot more energy than I did last mm. last month where I was a crybaby the entire month. I was just so emotional, and I was like, what is my purpose in my life? Yeah. And here I am saying, I found my purpose. <laughs> I've come to fruition. <laughs> <laughs> so, how's everyone else feeling on this new Leo moon? <laughs> I think I, I, I just need to sit down with myself and figure out what I want to do, like what is important for me to do right now, and what is something that I can put aside because I feel like I have all these things that I want to do, and then it just clutters my brain and then it makes me not want to do anything. Mm, dang. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Oof. I'm like, I'm identifying it. with both of these. So you say that you're a Leo rising. I'm a Leo rising. So I'm also a Leo rising. Do you feel it? Do you feel the oh, I had nothing. I, I just, so I'm really like very noob when it comes to astrology. That's so okay. I'm like, I'm like, I know what I am. And most of it is because of Steph actually. Like when we yeah. were like on the drive to New Mexico, she was just like, do you have your chart? And I was like, actually, yeah. Like I did it like in like. Uh, college a while back and I pulled it up and I'm like I don't know how I still have this she's like yeah she was like telling me about all the things and I'm like oh wow this is so fascinating so dynamic um, but I think like really where I am is I'm kind of holding this posture of not like it is what it is but mm-hmm. kind of just like so I'm a believer so put that out there mm-hmm. but so I'm just kind of like in this place of like a lot of things are happening and I think I'm just like I could be bitter about it I can complain about it which Mm -hmm. I have been doing I've been a crybaby this past month not gonna lie like cried many times Mm -hmm. um and I think I'm just in this place where I'm like all right I could just be like you know just being grateful and saying all right like yes lord thank you lord Mm -hmm. and looking at the things that I all the beauty that is in life, right? And just not focusing on this one thing that's going very, very wrong. Yeah, okay. Um, but just, like, pivoting to this place of gratitude. So I think, like, that's where I am. It's, like, making that intentional shift. Um, and things are picking up. So getting my dusting my planner off because your girl knows never knows where she is without her planner. <laughs> I'm serious. They're like, oh, what are you supposed to be doing? Picks up phone or planner. Oh, I'm supposed to be somewhere in like 20 minutes. Gotta go. Yeah. Wow, that's funny. Well, good. I think that's, 
a gratefulness or gratitude mm-hmm. is like the best place to be in for I I feel like for me personally for yeah. a next tran- transition to the next stage. Yeah. Um just a reflection of that and then I feel like a lot of things come in for me when I feel more grateful. Yeah. Yeah, like you just you you pause better. Mm-hmm. You and like you workshop and analyze and strategize better because mm-hmm. um, you're not moving out of lack you're moving out of you know um desire not even desire like it's like you're moving out of fullness mm. of the things that you do have mm-hmm. you know that like bring you joy that ground you um mm. whereas if you're focused on the negative things you're, you're moving out of lack oh i and, see you know you're always gonna be like grabbing for the next thing mm. and you're just never going to be full. Yeah. Um, so just like focusing on gratitude of like both of these things, I can't change mm-hmm. my lack or the things that I have. Mm-hmm. I have no control over those yeah. things. They just kind of, I mean, to some extent your relationships, you have to put in work. Right. But mm-hmm. they just exist, you know, and you have to, and you could either be, you know, pissy about it or you can be like, all right. I'm grateful. Mm. Mm. And despite this thing that's happening. Yeah. Damn, we already getting in philosophy and it's like two minutes in. <laughs> welcome, everybody. This is me. So everybody, welcome Chelsea Cheyenne. Um, Chelsea, do you want to give us a little bit about your background, your pronouns, and yeah, just a little bit about yourself. For sure. Um, yes. So I'm Chelsea Cheyenne. Um <laughs> And my pronouns are she, her. Um, and how about myself? Oof. I guess like focusing, staying on topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why we're here. Um, <laughs> like is, your profession or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I am a professional model, um, plus size model, um, and really just kind of advocating around, you know, diversity in the model industry in the multiple ways that looks right so ability um race Mm. uh class all the things um class is a weird one because anyway but yeah like economic class or yeah because like you know we you all have to start from somewhere Yeah. yeah and i think like the models that you really see get a platform are models that kind of kind of had access to mm. oh, things, connections, you know? Yeah. Sure. So, like, really just, like, you know, let's, let's show some people who actually, like, came from the bottom, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that and then size and all the things. Just really, um, I'm all about getting rid of beauty standards um, because beauty is a spectrum, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it's just, like, I'm in this room with both of you and we all look very different mm-hmm. and we're all beautiful. Yeah. Right? And beauty standard says... <laughs> oh, only certain aspects of you are beautiful and only certain aspects of you are beautiful. Mm. And really it's saying, you know, like upholding like this Eurocentric. Yeah, ideal. Yeah. Ideal. Mm. Um, so just really, I think with my platform modeling, just trying to like break that down and say, no, like, like most things, it's a spectrum. I love that. And yeah. you can be beautiful and I can be beautiful. We can be very different and still beauty exists mm-hmm. so. that's a that's a different and like a different perspective than our conversations like in the past like how beauty is subjective mm-hmm. like you don't see you may not see yourself beautiful but other people will see yourself beautiful mm-hmm. but i like that like beauty is spectrum and yeah. it's and it's so true mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's the eye of the beholder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also like the lens to which you're viewing things through, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which uh, one of the things that we'll talk about maybe now. I don't know. Um, Yeah. So I like that you said the lens because for us as photographers, Mm -hmm. we know that the lens that you put on the camera is essentially a distortion. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you have to find the right lens that fits appropriate to not only the the brand, but mm-hmm. also the model um, and what you're doing. So our example is if you have a 70 to 200 millimeter lens, those really long, thick ones, mm-hmm. they get it really close in tight shots. And depending on what angle you're in, they can feel real. Mm-hmm. But if you have a editorial wider lens, they can start to disrupt your body. And I love to use it, especially mm-hmm. on shorter people, yeah. because it stretches out your yes. legs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just interesting that you say how the lens can disrupt that. And I'm sure you're probably also thinking eyes, yeah. but um, photography is a huge aspect of how beauty it's being perceived too yeah. yeah, because of the lens. And I love that. So, you know, like, I think we have all loved to chase sunsets, right? And mm-hmm. we see this gorgeous sunset and we're like, oh, I'm going to take a picture on my phone. And then you're just like, what is this? Yeah. This is not yeah. what I'm looking yeah. at. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we all like experience that, like, Ugh, the yeah. lens is not picking up the beauty, the intricacy that's here. And mm. I think like, ah, like, I love that you just brought that into like fashion and editorial, right? Because it's just like, when you're looking at this, it's a lens. Yeah. You know, it, yes, it there's a human there. There's, you know, spirit energy there, but like you're, you're seeing what they want you to see. Right. It's being warped in some realm or another for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like, wow, very metaphorical. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're getting into some deep topics already. <laughs> That's what I live for. <laughs> Aaron often thinks, I asked him the other day because I was on a constant, like, wanting to think about my thoughts just a little bit further. And mm-hmm. I, was, I asked him, I was like, does this ever get tiring to you that I'm just on a constant, like, trying to pick my life out and mm-hmm. find the meaning in it? He's like, sometimes. And I was like, for you? Or he's like, does it get tiring for you? And I'm like, no. No, I love this shit. No, no, same. Like, so my roommate, like, I love her to death. Shout out to Esther. Um, <laughs> she, yeah, I have the same thing where I'm like always like in this very like esoteric thinking about life. What is everything? How do I better myself? The world sucks, but how can we make it better? Uh-huh. And I just like kind of sometimes just dump on her. And she's just like, that was great. She's like, I did ask you how you're doing. So... <laughs> Um, and I, yeah, we had that conversation before of like, Hey, like I'm ex- like, do I like, does that, is that draining for you sometimes? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm so sorry. And also communicate that. Cause I can, I can shut it off. Mm-hmm. I can go back internally and do the same process, you know, yeah. not dump it. So yeah, I, it's so fascinating. Cause like I thrive on, I'm like, I'm like, give me more. I know. <laughs> We're like, I'm being drained. <laughs> Totally. For me, I think I just take on too much on my plate. And then I would ask my husband, am I annoying you? (laughs) (laughs) Are you annoyed? Are you tired? (laughs) Am I stressing you out by my stress? (laughs) Is my stress stressing you out? (laughs) That's causing stress in the situation right now. Is this stressing our relationship right here? (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's like it's because I like to take on so much on my plate, and then just like all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, what did I do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like too late. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yep, you gotta work through that one, girl. <laughs> oh yeah, I do. <laughs> Can't help you there. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Next thing I know, I have Zoe as my assistant. <laughs> She'll be taking notes for me. Mm, start them young. Hey, I don't know. Like, I feel like there is a, a huge, I was going to say hashtag girl boss, but I feel like a lot of people are ripping girl boss to shreds lately. And what I'm not mean? like, like the, the term girl boss. Yeah. I thought you were going to tie in like child labor. And I was oh like, damn, are they doing that? <laughs> oh my okay. What's going on with girl boss? I'm curious. <laughs> like, yeah. I, so because it's not gender neutral or, well, I guess it's because it's creating, um, this very, really bringing it back to like, um, hyper masculine, mm. white supremacy, white culture, like idea of like, you have to be everything and all at once, you know, like, and I don't, I'm not quite sure I necessarily I agree a hundred percent. Is this kind of like the same concept as, um, as small businesses or entrepreneurs, you're kind of in this like idea of you needing to produce, produce, produce like mm-hmm. a corporation. Exactly. Even though you can't, is that kind of what you yeah, mean? Yeah. We're just like, you're on the go. It's like, you're your personal assistant, mm-hmm. you're your, like, content creator, mm-hmm. you're your, like, um, yeah, just all these things, you're you're embodying so much, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, yes, you can do it, right, but I think it's, like, always that homostasis of, like, is it sustainable, mm-hmm. right, and I think that someone, like, in the sustainability, culture, like, sphere as well is, like, we're always talking about, like, is it sustainable in terms of, like, consuming Uh but also like is it sustainable job wise is it sustainable you know interest of people wise so like looking at sustainability outside of like green but like are you okay as a human like is this sustainable for you as a being this is i love that you talked about sustainability because um my question is what is your definition of sustainability what would you say oof um from what you were talking about, it feels very in alignment with mine, but I just also... Yeah. Um, I would say sustainability is um, how can we use what's here on earth and even taking it outside of like green space, right? How can we use what's here um, even with people, right? Um, people's time um, in a way that isn't consuming where there's nothing left. Mm, um you're consuming or you're interacting with this thing and it will naturally reproduce or it will naturally um regenerate um so i think like that would be kind of like my view of sustainability is like are we interacting with this thing in in a way that upholds longevity Mm. um and integrity of whatever it is that you're consuming, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, you could, you know, drink water, right? But it's, like, if you're consuming all the water and there's, like, nothing left, you know, like, you only need so much water to survive, right? So it's, like, the balance of things. For mm-hmm. sure. You can keep consuming, but should you keep consuming, you know? Right. So I think that would be kind of, like, my my defin- 
definition of sustainability that like is green, but also like looking at it as people as well. Okay. Mm. Um, so, yeah. so let me get this straight. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> let me just use Zoe as an example. We try to give her a box of snacks every day. Um, she can either finish them all in one sitting mm-hmm. or she can spread them apart so she can have snacks throughout the whole day. Mm-hmm. So let's say if she spread them apart throughout the whole day, that is her being sustainable. Yeah. In terms of like, you, you know, her desire, right? Because uh-huh. like, like, let's be honest, she could eat all those fruit snacks right then and there. Right. But, but you know, at two, anymore. she's probably right. going to want more. Right. And now she can't have any because right. she knows that she only can have one box right. a day. Right. Mm-hmm. So being sustainable with that and also just being um, strategic mm-hmm. with it is, right, well, if I eat five now and I can eat five at two mm-hmm. and then guess what? I have five left over and I can just eat them because I want to eat them mm-hmm. because they're there. But like, it's not disrupting the system right? of my one box a day. Yeah. Sustaining the oh, cravings. I like that. That means we've been doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so we are sustainable. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause like, I think like we always like sustainability, like it has been so like green. Yeah. Environment uh-huh, things, yeah. Environmental focus. I thought it's about like just reusing what we have or mm-hmm. like, I didn't think about it like that, like to spread things apart. So that you can have more. Yeah. And and I think, too, like most things, you can learn from nature. You can learn from earth, mm-hmm. right? And um, that's one of those things. It's like, mm. if we're going to interact sustainably with earth, how can we interact sustainably with ourselves and with others? Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, just kind of what we were talking about of, like, you and I, like, how we're, like, oh, my God, thinking about everything. And we're just, like, dumping on people. And they're, like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, that's not sustainable because it, it drains them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what is sustainable is, you know, asking like, hey, like, can, are you available for me like to do a mental dump? And then being like, yeah, how are you? You know, and like that's sustainable in that relationship, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not consuming. You're not being a vampire to mm-hmm. someone's energy um, and availability. Mm-hmm. You're being respectful of them. Uh, okay. I got that. Okay. Yeah. Totally I totally get it now. I like the perspective of it being very like worldly or just different avenues of sustainability because Mm -hmm. there's always a connotation of environment and then even with that some people are like oh sustainability is like part of the environment and like roll their eyes Mm -hmm. um but sustainability is so much for me in terms of like connections and Mm -hmm. uh sustaining like our mindset of just how we should choose to show up and how we choose to um influence people mm-hmm. on our mentality and our mm-hmm. may I guess actually mainly our mentality like how is our ego being sustainable in different avenues yeah. of like our beauty and our like morals xyz mm-hmm. <laughs> so totally yeah. cool hey, you mentioned that you're a professional model mm-hmm. how did you get into modeling yeah, um, modeling, that's a great question. So modeling um, kind of, <laughs> I always joke about this with people because it kind of happened grossly in, in a way. <laughs> um, and I, I, so, so let me explain. Um, so, you know, I was just walking in the mall with my mom uh-huh. and, you know, you have like these mm-hmm. scouts and I'm pretty sure this happened to many people okay. who just grown people looking at people's children and being like, you have what it takes you could be a model. And when you think about it, you're like, 
kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about it. But, you know, like, me, I'm pretty sure my mom was just like, this is weird. But I was like, oh, my God. Like, I have what it takes, mom. <laughs> um, so my mom and this was, oh, should I name the, I won't name the company. I feel just, mm, I won't name the company. Yeah. Well, so it was a company that um, kind of takes on teenagers and preteens mm. and um, kind of just give them the skill of, like, what modeling is, yeah. etiquette. Um, how to show up to casting calls, how to do your own makeup, how to do your hair, mm-hmm. um, acting, just like the whole nine yards. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, they're, they're trying to produce like the next Hannah Montana. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> or Miley Cyrus, I guess, is better. Um, you know, like the next star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how it started for me. Um, and, you know, my mom put me um, through this camp and it was... It was great. I was learning a lot of stuff, but I think it was really hard for me because I, one, was bigger than everyone there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the only black girl there. Um, most of the women there were either white or very white passing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like in this space where I was like, none of you guys look like me. Mm-hmm. And we were going to these castings and... Everyone was getting casted mm. but me. That's interesting. I would have figured that was going to be a version of tokenism there. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, modeling, like, 10, 12, 15 years ago was very different. Like, it was very, like, that idolistic, what we were talking about earlier, like, uh-huh. blonde hair, blue-eyed. Eurocentric. Skinny. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Um, there really wasn't diversity. Um, mm. So I was just finding myself, like, in that school and just being like, man, like is there something wrong with me? Like, am I pretty? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, for me, that was a moment where I, I got out of modeling mm-hmm. because my mom actually, at the time, she had no idea. She, you know, she was just, like, she was paying for these classes, and she's just like, why aren't you going anymore? I'm like, I'm just not into it anymore, right? And she, and I'm so happy that she didn't, like, press into that more of, like, girl, I, like, spend all this money, like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. get your behind up. Yeah. And I'm happy she didn't do that because it was, like, this really vulnerable space for me. Um... So yeah, that's how that's what got me into modeling, mm-hmm. and I removed myself because also part of it too. Ten years ago, for runway, anything over the size eight mm. was considered plus size, mm. and like that's not how plus size works in the real world, right? Um, and yeah, so just like a lot, a lot, a lot of body image things as well, and I think like I struggled identifying as plus size because mm-hmm. it was you know it was very negative. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what got me into it. I got out of it because I was like, man, this is bad for my mental health, which is insane that I was, like, that deep. <laughs> how, like, old, how old were you? <laughs> oh, man, I feel like I was, like, maybe 14, 15. Wow. That yeah. was deep. <laughs> so, like, the fact that I was like, oh, man, like, I'm starting to, like, question it, my, uh, my value, my oh, worth, wow. my beauty. And I'm like, that's a problem. It's yeah. time for me to shift. Mm-hmm. So I shifted. Um, and then... Yeah, now, you know, did did the whole life journey and, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, being really confident in who I am and what I have to offer yeah. in the world, in mm-hmm. the life. Yeah. In the life. In the life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and realizing that, you know, I am what I needed mm-hmm. as, that, as that child, right? Mm-hmm. Because not only was I in this room with other models who, you know, fit that mold, um, but growing up, that's all I really saw. Mm. was people who fit that mold and if they were 
black Mm -hmm. they were lighter skinned black Mm -hmm. right so there really just wasn't a representation for me so i'm just like i'm doing this for the little girl who looks like me or gender non-conforming folk who look like me Mm -hmm. um to see representation to see you know them doing it and saying that i can be that right um so that's what kind of got me back into it was like one i have a lot to say two you know, struggling also with body dysmorphia, too. That's part of it as well, that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really wanted to um, kind of just, like, knock down these standards that yeah. I think, one, kind of feed my body dysmorphia, which I think most people who have body dysmorphia, like, they're looking at the things and typically it has to do with, like, these beauty standards, like this European beauty standard that they don't fit mm-hmm. and that they don't like. Um, and being like super obsessive about trying to change that Mm -hmm. in some way um so just really um going back into it to to shun that and be like no let's let people be human let's let people be people Mm -hmm. and show real bodies show real people show real um stories Mm -hmm. um so great that's awesome that's a beautiful journey it's it's quite yeah mind-boggling that you're like no means no <laughs> uh, at the age of 15 well, and you just yeah. stop that well because like it at that point it was crucial it was vital you know being just like putting myself back in that mindset of like being a teenager or a preteen mm-hmm. you know everything you can only see short term mm. yeah right? that's mm. yeah you can only see short term so like here i am slowly starting to dislike this person like my my being Mm. what is gonna bring me through this life this is my vessel and I wasn't finding home in my vessel right so I think I was like I was in the space of like I need to get out because like if I don't like myself what do I have Mm. damn you know um so I think it was very like honestly it was very like life or death for me okay you know like I have to like because they're like, I don't know what the other side will look like. And I don't mm. want to even think about that. Yeah. So I don't know if either of you have watched this, but have you seen the documentary on Hulu um, about Victoria's Secret? No, I haven't because I currently we don't have Hulu anymore. <laughs> oh, that's why. <laughs> um, no, I haven't. I thought you were going to be like, because we, we shun Victoria's Secret at our house. It's like, because we don't have Hulu. And I'm like, that's, that's the only reason. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to be like, before I got rid of it. Like, <laughs> but I haven't watched it. I've seen it, um, but I haven't watched it. Wow. Mm. It's uh, very much correlates with that idea of body dysmorphia and... Um, just a s- slight leeway in just to dip the toe. There's a moment where an employee felt very um, body shamed because of the one of the male. I can't remember what his position was. I can't remember if he's part of marketing or he was sort of in this scouting of the models and Basically primarily the, they're men basically with, the head of douchebaggery exactly yeah. <laughs> and then and then as the, as she was getting food and she went for her seconds he's like do you really want to keep doing that yes and yes look, i do and looking that way oh and she, and she yeah and and it's just interesting because at that time and this reminds me of like the scouting at the um, malls is mm. i know 
the time that I went, I never got picked, which I was always like, what the fuck? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, what the heck? What the heck? <laughs> no. Um, but anytime I did see them, it, it felt often like a male was there to try to scout the women out. Mm. And it's like, that feels more gross than the whole system of it is uh, a guy is coming in and sexualizing these young women mm-hmm. and saying what's appropriate and part of marketing and yeah. it's just like that's and me. also is it's it's gross too because even like for me like it was a woman who scouted me oh. but like it's so the modeling industry can be very dangerous especially like trying to figure out navigating how to enter into it um and a practice you know with human trafficking is having a woman to mm. kind of initiate yeah. the trust so like you know all your red flags are going off as a woman but you see another woman and you're like okay well like she's telling me it's fine she understands the dangers and like the cruelty of like this world being existing in a like female body yeah um and also it's not gender specific as as well like everyone mm-hmm. um but so yeah like finding that camaraderie and then you know essentially being groomed yeah mm-hmm. right so it, it it's that's why also I say it's gross because it's outside of just like being scouted of like a grown person looking at a child being like, yeah, you'll develop or yeah, like you have what it takes. Um, it's also taking it that step further of this is actually kind of like grooming practice and you're mm. you're making a situation that is not OK and you, all the reflex should be going off. You're kind of making it normal in a way. Mm-hmm. So if it does happen in a life or death situation, you know, you've already kind of brought the sensor the danger sensor down neutralize it in some sense damn um, so it can be really dangerous outside of just grossly looking at young <laughs> children i think you're gonna like that documentary of victoria's secret too when you get moments just check it out yeah yeah i'm pretty sure i will because it's the modeling industry yeah it it, it benefits you know or it, it um perpetrates you know, body body dysmorphia, eating disorders, Mm -hmm. all the things. Um, It's Victoria's Secret. mm -hmm. Like, yeah, which, yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with like the, the, um, Europe, Europe, Uh like maybe 12, 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, actually to combat that and body image issues Mm -hmm. with, you know, average everyday women and people, they like actually made a rule where it's just like, you're like, you're like body fat to like yeah muscle oh, ratio yeah. has to be a certain percentage or like you can't model yeah uh, because like they were trying to you know fight you know eating disorders yeah. um now granted 15 years later it was a step in the right direction was it 100 percent the right direction no because you just have people who naturally you know just can't put on weight yeah mm-hmm. you don't have low body fat and like that kind of ostracizes them right yeah. so mm-hmm. we're trying to make way for all people not highlight some and then shun the other we're not trying to turn the spotlight we're trying to broaden the spotlight then yeah. they also um write it in like magazines and whatnot if the photo had been altered yeah i think that's what they did too mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. to fight the eating disorders in europe because i think it's a very huge problem mm-hmm um and people don't understand like all these models their body is not built like that no 
like, like there are very few models that I know who like just can wake up like that. Yeah. Um, but like but... a lot of people, especially if they're trying to be like the traditional like mm-hmm. model, mm-hmm. you know, they have strict diets, strict caloric right. intake, like yeah. are working out, working their butts off if they're not restricting mm-hmm. restricting their diets. Mm-hmm. Like they're in the gym like twice twice a day. Yeah. Which you know neither here nor there like whether that's healthy or not right because like Uh i'm not the gauge of that Mm -hmm. um none of us are in this room anyway there are some people (laughs) out there who can make a gauge on that um (laughs) but yeah so this i don't know like talking about this like really uh, it's like i don't know like i have a daughter Mm -hmm. uh i growing up i also know about like the talent scout and I always thought, oh, shit, is it because of how I look? Is it because I'm too short? Mm-hmm. Like, I always think about that. And, like, I know, like, some of my friends' friend who got scouted um, and they become models and then this and that. And then I always think, oh, it's just bad genetics on my end. <laughs> like, because of, like, how short I am. Yeah. Like, because my face is not symmetrical and this and that. Like, I, I never see myself as pretty because of that. Because I knew. And then I would look at European beauty standard and I look at like all these runway models and mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, there is no way. Hmm. There is no way an Asian would walk in that type of runway. And then now like you would see some, but mm-hmm. it's still very, it's not as big of a re- representation. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, that's so real. I mean, <laughs> it is like in terms of like. I think that's where a lot of like self-esteem issues come mm, from, especially yes. for people of color. Yeah. Is because I think like that's where a lot of like, you know, I, I believe like my bias morphia came from and that mm, that came from like yeah. years of mm-hmm. like walking this path mm-hmm. and avoiding mirrors sometimes because yeah. that's one thing that like I've noticed, like kind of like bringing it back to like the lens conversation earlier is that mirrors are not con- treated, like they're not treated equal. No. Sometimes some mirrors make you look really small. Yeah. Sometimes they make you look really chunky, tall, all the things. Right. And that doesn't help someone who's struggling with yeah. body image, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I think like a lot of my body dysmorphia was around like my dark skin, around mm-hmm. my curly hair, um, that I used to perm straight, mm. you know? Mm. Um, and I just remember even at an early age, you know, my mom, she always knew how to like work our hair. And I just remember like begging her being like, mom, like, I, I just really want to be a, have a perm. I want to like look pretty like you. Right. Not really understanding, you know, what I was really, yeah. Um, and then when I, obviously it was not working for me. Like it was like eating my hair, like, <laughs> Your girl was going bald on the back of her head for a little bit. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was like, the top is still there. <laughs> it's like, no one knows. <laughs> um, and I just remember, like, having, like, these images of having curly hair. Like, mm-hmm. being younger, looking in a mirror and being like, whoa, like, my hair was really pretty. Yeah. And even saying, like, to my hairdresser at the time, like, I think I really want to, like, transition back to curly hair. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she said was, like, mm, I don't think you really want that, like, that's, like, a lot of work. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's going to look like what you want it to look like. Essentially, her, her in, like, internalizing what we're being fed about our own, how our hair grows naturally out of our head, right? Mm-hmm. Of, like, that it's wrong. Like, it's not pretty. It's not whatever. And her, like, pushing that onto me. Um, and 
even like hearing like racist things of like, oh, like your hair could, couldn't possibly be curly, you know, like. Wait, it, somebody asked you that? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. So I grew up in the South. I grew up in North Carolina. And your hair Middle was of nowhere. straight at the time. And yeah. somebody said that your hair couldn't possibly be curly. Yeah, because I, and this is the thing, I was like, yeah, like, because I, I told my hairdresser this, like, I, I remember this, like, image of myself looking at my hair curly. And she's just like, well, she's like, it's a lot of work. She didn't say, but she was kind of alluding to it. And sure. then I was like, in this friend group, you know, we're all children, like, no, no harm feelings for this friend that said it at the time. Um, and... You know, she was a she was a biracial uh, girl. Uh-huh. Um, so she had like you know these beautiful little ringlets, and I'm mm. like, oh my god, I would love my hair to be like that. Mm. And you know, just like this kind of like again regurgitating conversations around race that we've been mm-hmm. taught for forever. And she's like, oh well, your hair couldn't possibly be curly. And I was just like, but but and I didn't even <laughs> and, I, and, and if I'm being honest, like looking back on it, I questioned it. But, like, in the moment, I'm just like, you know, maybe it wasn't. Because, you know, I asked my mom, I'm like, Mom, like, what was my hair like before I permed it? And she couldn't really remember. She's like, well, one of you guys had curls. And she thought it was my sister. So then I was like, well. And then for me, even, I was just like, well, I don't want to go natural, but I don't have curls. Because I don't, like, want an afro. Like, you know, like, these things, Uh, like, this internalization, like, of, like, all these, like, things of, like, this is not bad, though. Yeah. But I've internalized this from media, from conversations, from racism, all these things that it's bad. Mm. So, yeah, that's like a whole journey, too. But, it, yeah, it's just hair and how, yeah, like the the European beauty standard shuns everything about who we are, you know, <laughs> and like the thing, the only things that we can really get right is being skinny or tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And but everything else is like, nope, that's not it, right? And it's like, that's it. it, it it's really it's a mind. No, I probably cannot cuss. It's a mind, dude. Oh, you can, oh, you can cuss. You can oh, cuss. okay. <laughs> it's a mind. Fuck. It's a mind. Fuck. It's the fuckery. Um, so yeah, it, 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 yeah. So just navigating that of being like, wow, like I'll never be enough, right? Because if this is the standard and this is beauty. I'm yeah. never going to be those things. Yeah. Right? So am I ever going to be beauty? Mm-hmm. Am I ever going to be, you know? So it's like all these things that you start internalizing. And this is what happens when you have a beauty standard versus seeing beauty as a spectrum. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And saying like, you know, that that is beautiful. And so is what I am. And so is what you are. Yeah. And so is what you are, you know? But, but again, when you have a standard, you can't really see that because the standard is what everyone's living up to. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to anyway. So then what's your goal mm-hmm. to sustain the modeling industry? Um, I think the only way that it can sustain moving forward is showing real people. Do you feel like you're part of that activism? I mean, I would I would love to be. I would hope to be, right? But even if, like, you know, 10, 15 years from now, like, I'm not doing it, um, I'm okay with that. You know, because was, you tried. Yeah, you know, it's like as long as, as long as people continue to push the to push the mold, eventually it'll break. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also a lot of people are realizing that this standard doesn't serve people. Mm-hmm. It serves a very small group of people, and the majority is just like we're over being told that we're not beautiful. 
I'm gorgeous, damn it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can take a seat. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think just like when you show when you show realistic people, that's how you keep up the fashion issue. That's how you keep fashion alive. Because mm-hmm. people aren't going to continue to engage with something that they don't resonate with. Mm-hmm. Right. I think as generations have gone on, we started, I want to resonate with this. And if I can't, then it doesn't serve me. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're like, all right, well, then I just find something that does resonate with me. So I think, I think fashion has to catch up. Do you think it's not catching up yet or like, I mean, I think it is catching up. I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Sure. Right. Because when you look at runway, which is kind of like what I love to do. Are you talking about like us runway or are you talking about European runway? So very, very different things. European runway, I would say is further behind this whole movement of like, yep, totally, yeah. I agree. Um, but even just like is way further behind than American runway and American runway still has a lot of catching up to do as well because you do see like plus size bodies, mm-hmm. shorter, yeah. statured people on the a- runway. Disabled bodies sometimes. And, yeah, yeah, and disabled bodies too as on the runway. Um, but it's not the standard, it's the exception. Yeah. yeah right? And we're trying to get it, move it from, or at least what I'm trying to do is move it from the exception of like, oh, it's this one designer who does plus size, or it's this one designer who like, no, like it's a designer, they make fashion mm-hmm. and they include inclusive bodies and people and et cetera. Right. I went to, I think it was Denver fashion week or I think it, one of them it was, but it was a Latin runway show. And oh, Latin Fashion Week! Latin Fashion Week! Mm-hmm. Latin Fashion Week. <laughs> anyway, um, they do an exceptional job. They they did of, it. Yeah. It was so beautiful. But there was a moment, and this is for like disabled communities. Well, actually, no. I think even Stephanie was part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie, Steph and I met mm. from Latin Fashion Week. Yeah, we got. Uh, we got casted in the same show. Really? Yeah. And long story short, I got nicks last minute um, because I didn't communicate about oh. something that I communicated about. Oh, I see. So I was just like, you know, I was already, and I, you know, this is how she and I bonded because I already, anyway, I was feeling like I was going to get nicks anyway and it just mm. happened. So it was just intuition and being like, it was meant to, this was meant to happen. Gotcha. My body was telling me before it happened. Okay. So I'm prepared. But yeah, so that's actually how we met. That's interesting. Huh. I could have saw, saw you then. But anyway. Uh, yeah, I was there. We might have crossed yeah, paths. Yeah, maybe. Um, but on that show then, do you remember the person in the wheelchair? Mm-hmm. And most of primarily like VIP section, but a lot of people started clapping and were like really excited about it. And I had like two emotions behind that. And they even did that with Stephanie a little bit mm-hmm. when she first came out. The two emotions that I have is, ooh, are we doing this because it feels like charity Mm. and we're clapping because we're like, wow, you're so brave. Like Mm. you're a hero for coming out here, even though you're disabled or plus size. Yeah. Thanks for being a representation for this one brand that chose to do this. Yeah. Um, And then there was another thing where I was like, ooh, this is where we are right now. And we're cheering on the fact that we are seeing this body out here Mm -hmm. in any form it can be in. 
and that can be beautiful. But I'm so, I think I was already like, no, 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 no. This is a model. Mm -hmm. And if we're not clapping to every person, I don't want to be clapping for everyone because I want to see more of this. Like this should be the, the next level of this is, this should be how it's supposed to be. It should be the norm. This should be the norm. Right. Yeah. And as a model, I feel like if somebody started clapping for me, it's like a whole different mind shift Mm -hmm. of how I feel like I would walk on that Mm -hmm. floor instead of being like, I am editorial. I'm badass. Like Mm -hmm. you're already doing a lot of mental switches that somebody's clapping for you. Does your personality change? Mm -hmm. Are you like sassy with it? I, I kind of like, zone out because if I mm. if I focus too much on what is going on around me then I'm not bringing the standard that I want to bring mm. right I can easily get distracted by someone clapping right yeah um which so like but it does internally do something right it's just like the stoicness of being a model in the room yeah because like if I if I were to smirk that could besmudge my career unfortunately I know I'm saying it as a joke, but I'm also serious. <laughs> Looks at the camera. <laughs> uh, don't, don't you smile. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it does change. But I think that's really fascinating, though, like, that, that the two thoughts that you have. And I think yeah. You were saying it does, it's very representative of the time that we're in, right? Where mm-hmm. we're seeing a shift towards being more inclusive, but we haven't oh. quite arrived yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in that midst, in that, in the liminal space, we have the due diligence of, you know, educating people, Mm. you know, like, so, you know, it's kind of inappropriate that you're clapping for these people who don't fit the norm of a runway model. What a runway model should be. And you're like, Oh my God, like, yeah, I'm so happy for them. Right. But it's like, but why? Cause when we look at, a lot of the isms or a lot of things we classify because in some way it inconveniences us. Yeah. Damn. Right. Damn. Um, even like when we talk about mental health, right. A lot of, don't get me wrong. Mental health is real, you know, seek help if you need it. Like I'm hundred percent for that. But if we talk about like the classifications of mental health, right. A lot of it has to do with classifying something that, um, what's the word that I'm looking for, that is a hindrance to someone else, is a burdensome to someone else, Mm. right? Yeah, I see where you're going at. So, right, so it's just like you clapping for this plus-size body on the runway, it's kind of like you're saying, oh. How cute. How cute. Happy someone's giving you a platform. Right. But, um, but yeah, so I think it can be kind of condescending. Totally. Yeah. It felt it felt so specific. It felt targeted. Probably. It felt like, super targeted. And it made me like a, just genuinely upset because I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That's not what the designer was. That's not the goal that they were trying to achieve here. Mm-hmm. Is yeah, appreciation, to, not tokenism. Right. right yeah. And it's like a very fine line yeah. when you're in that liminal space. Right. Because every like we haven't been here before. We're like in discovery of like mm. how we can actually interact and acknowledge people and their bodies and who they are yeah. um, without interacting with the toxic uh, mindsets that we've previously thought about this person or these body types or this group of people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it's like it's this weird space but like we have to to be like hey like that's not okay and here's why because it, it brings like revelation and also it also if, if that person is receptive it could be a refining moment for them you know as a person because sure. i think you know i i genuinely believe that there are very few just bad people in the world. Mm-hmm. I think most of us are just, we're trying our best mm-hmm. and we're interacting with people the best way we know how with the tools that we have. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So not saying it's everyone's job to educate, right. Cause it's not, but I think that like when we're in this liminal space, education is so important. Right. Otherwise, cause you only know what you know and you interact with the world with what you know. Totally. So, so, Jalen and I earlier, we were talking about how I don't really, first of all, I don't really like shopping online okay? because I can't look at the clothes personally, Mm -hmm. how it fits on my body and whatnot, because a lot of the places that I used to go shop online, they are not super inclusive. They like, for for instance, I think it's only to see a company sell petite size. Mm -hmm. Is pretty recent. Yeah. Before that, it was not like that. I I am considered petite because of how short my body is. Mm-hmm. My torso is not super long. And so when I when it comes to like shopping for clothes, I find it hard, stressful, and depressing. Because nothing fits right. Yeah. And so I find myself lately going to Fashion Nova mm-hmm. to shop for my stuff. Yeah. But then we were talking about how Fashion Nova is, what would it like? It's considered it's like fast, fast fashion. Fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know, because I know that you have a, a clothing line. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you would like to, I guess, like, how can I put it into words? Like, what are you doing? Yes. What are you doing with your clothing line? And if you want to talk about that. Yeah. Um. Definitely. So I identify with, you know, just being plus size and also tall. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So I also do not shop online. <laughs> um, and then you're like, probably like, well, Chelsea, how do you have an online sustainable fashion brand? Mm-hmm. Um, so a huge part of uh, the brand with, you know, Revival Apparel um, is especially since a lot of it is thrifted. So it's been loved before, you know, it, the sizing, what is on the tag is not probably what it actually is now mm. is, um, really showing people, giving them education on like how to do their measurements. Mm. Right. So regardless of where you shop, right. So you mm-hmm. can shop online. Um, and I think too, I, I experienced a lot of, um, trauma from, you know, going in, especially like I remember being, you know, I, th- I think at the time I was like a size 11. Mm. I was a nine. I was a nine in junior clothing. Right. Um, mm. And back to school shopping. Right. And um, it was just this one brand that fit smaller. Mm-hmm. And I was like three sizes larger than what my actual size was. And again, struggling with body image mm-hmm. and body dysmorphia. It was very traumatic for me. Mm-hmm. Um so really just empowering people, like, if you know your measurements, you know, most brands have, you know, the size ranges of, like, mm-hmm. the inches, you know, like, for your bust, for your waist, mm-hmm. for your hips, um, even, like, your inseam, right, the length of your leg um, on their website, right? So if you know your measurements, then you you now have the tools to counteract 
you know, th- that internal process of, oh my God, I'm fat. Mm. Oh my God, I need to like eat a salad. I need to like restrict what I eat. Like I ate that burger, that burger threw on three sizes mm. overnight. Mm. You know, like it's not realistic, right? <laughs> no. But like yeah. it is like this spiral that happens. Mm-hmm. But if you know your sizing, right, you're able to participate with online shopping because you know how that sizing runs. And mm-hmm. obviously it's not a perfect machine, right? Right. But it, that is a tool. So that's something like that I use with my brand um, and will will use rather mm-hmm. is um, educating people on how to measure themselves mm-hmm. um, and even offering that service of like getting like your wrist, your neck, all these things. Because like as a model, <laughs> they measure things that you wouldn't think that they would measure. <laughs> they just do. Um, so just like empowering people to like know their measurements so that they can either one get custom made things mm-hmm. right that they can love well. Or um, participate in clothing, online shopping, yeah. where that's been like, you know, a place of this, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I think that's one space. What are you, what are you, what are you doing with um, Revival Apparel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, or more like, what is the goal ah, of there Revival you go. Apparel? Okay. Yeah. So, the goal is very multifaceted. Mm -hmm. So, um, one, educating um, people on what the fashion industry is doing Mm -hmm. to the environment because I don't think people are actually aware. Outside of oil and coal, fashion is the second most polluting industry, Mm -hmm. right? So, we all know, like, when we talk about climate change, we're talking about oil and coal. We're talking about gas. We're talking about um, all these things, right? And then to hear that fast like fashion is the next polluter you're like wait what yeah i think i was like blown away by that mm-hmm. i was like excuse like food waste didn't win you know? yeah <laughs> like, for real like, <laughs> um especially in america but um <laughs> so yeah so i think educating people on that and then when it comes to climate change unfortunately black and brown communities will be the first communities impacted because of fast fashion. Well, just well, or not just even inter- fast fashion, just in, general, just in general. Like yeah, like climate change um, okay. and pollution, uh, and poor people as well. Yeah. The, like I don't know, if you've seen the flood with Indiana, that was direct. Like all the things that are happening in the world, Europe's on fire. England reached 105. Right, the other like day. the tarmac was like melted or something. Oh yeah, yeah. and like it never yeah. gets over like 80 degrees. Like you know, so it's mm-hmm. like. <laughs> So in those things where it's like we're we're actively living in what we were warning people about. Um, so just empowering people, especially black and brown women in particular. My I, I believe fashion is not gendered. So my brand yeah. is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. But I when I was creating this brand, I definitely was thinking about um, black and brown women in general, just because they are who are targeted when it comes to like fast fashion, mm-hmm. like Fashion Nova, for example. Right. You know, the reason why it excelled so quickly is because it had curvy options mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it fit well, Yeah, you know? So like, <laughs> that's why fashion over took off. It's like, Whoa, like I'm not like just an eight, you know, I'm like, I'm a small up here, but then I'm a large down here, yeah. you know, like it took off because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so outside of like educating black and brown people about like, okay, participating in this is like, it's pollutant and it also will affect our communities first. And let's be honest, we're the protectors of our community. Yeah. You know, like very, very other people outside of the communities come in being like, no, you know, we have to be the ones protecting 
safeguarding our children and future generations. Mm-hmm. Um, so just empowering people there, um, as well as, you know, bringing plus size clothing into the equation as well, um, as a plus size model who's passionate about sustainable fashion mm-hmm. and that's actually where I would like to focus as a model, um, seeing how there is a lack of size inclusivity, um, with sustainable fashion. I think most fashion brands stop at large Mm -hmm. and if they do have inclusive sizing, anything above that, like above extra large is the first thing to go, but it almost never seems like it gets replaced. Yeah. Right. So it's like, there's this huge need for it. Um, and there's also, you know, just the idea that like larger bodies aren't sustainable, which is insane because if it exists, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't make sense, but like because like it 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 tags onto this this narrative of like oh this body is larger because it it overconsumes or mm. oh this body is larger because um essentially overconsumption is the big thing and it's yeah. just like but genetics <laughs> sometimes it ain't got nothing to do with people consuming anything. Right. Right. It's just like I my gene- my alleles. <laughs> my phenotypes <laughs> um show up as Kirby. Thank you. Um I got and, these thick thighs from my mama. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's about thick it. Thighs save lives, <laughs> you know? Um so like really just fighting that of saying, okay, there's a lack of this here. There's a need, right? Mm-hmm. So addressing the need and also typically plus size fashion it it looks like most of the time it looks like garbage mm. like historically we're like it looks like you're in a plastic bag or a paper mm. bag or it's yeah. like very it's too bright and it's like very pudgy and like nothing showing or too much is showing yeah and you're being hypersexualized. yeah right so it's like not this happy medium of here's plus size fashion where you can feel confident in it yeah. and you can have these staple items, right? Because it is a brand. Do I want you to buy from me? Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't want you to senselessly buy from me. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to educate people on how they can be conscious consumers. Um, so that means that no, before, do you want to shop at Revival? Yes. But I'm going to ask you to go through like all the processes of, of do you have something in your closet that you can wear? Mm-hmm. Is there something that you haven't worn in, in a while? Could you wear that? Is there mm-hmm. something that you wear all the time that you could rework and rewear and restyle to give it a different look? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then working your way to, okay, I actually do need something new. And then if you buy something new, are you buying this because it's a trend? Yeah. Because if it's a trend, it's going to end up in the landfill. Mm-hmm. And the reason why fashion is one of the most polluted outside of water is because it can't break down naturally. Right. Some of it can, which is some of why sustainable fashion is a thing because hemp or cotton, like these natural um, fibers that do break down eventually. But a lot of modern day fashion um, has polyester, nylon, Mm -hmm. spandex, which is AKA plastics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it's contributing to microplastics in our water. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also plastics don't break down naturally or Mm -hmm. they just take years years to break down um so yeah just like this multifaceted thing so empowering people um with body right so like giving people tools on like how to talk to yourself how Mm -hmm. to be kind to yourself how to love yourself in the process like if you are trying to work your way to a smaller size we support that 
Um, and there's a way to talk to yourself in that process. If you're like, I am who I am. I don't think I need to change anything. We agree. Mm -hmm. You are who you are. (laughs) You don't need to change anything. I mean, unless you're being toxic. Right. Then you should change that. (laughs) It's just like how your body naturally exists. How if you're eating everything that you need to eat to sustain yourself and your body is the body that you have, Mm -hmm. that's the body you're meant to have. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, so that, so mindset and body um, affirmations, um, giving plus size people a way to shop that's sustainable. Yeah. Um, giving, you know, not regular stock size, I guess, or people who aren't plus size um, a way to shop that's sustainable <laughs> um, and educating people on uh sustainability and how to measure yourself so that you know you are being kind to yourself when you put on that jean and you're like it's not getting over these hips clothing's meant to fit you you're Mm -hmm. not meant to fit clothing Mm -hmm. right right um so if it's too small it says nothing about you it's Mm -hmm. it's too small small. Mm -hmm. not you're too big right right, it's too small so go for something else, you know, um, just really, so that's what it's about is, is this multifaceted thing of it's sustainable fashion. Yes. But I also want to make sure that I want to give you tools on how to love yourself. And also from my own experience of struggling with body dysmorphia and coming to this space of like loving myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so body joy is something that I talk about. Like, um, you know, I think you always hear like, like body love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, like, loving your body or loving where you... And, like, that's just not realistic for people, especially if you struggle with body dysmorphia, eating disorders, all these things. You're not going to love yourself all the time. No. And I think that's a really unhealthy expectation. So body joy is not about loving, per se, your body. It's about finding home with your body. It's about acknowledging, again, that gratitude work of... I used to hate my shoulders. I used to get teased on. Like I used to be called shoulder pads Mm because I have broad shoulders. Um, But what I do with body joy is, but these are the shoulders that my loved ones come and rest their heads on. Mm -hmm. These shoulders make them feel safe. You know, these shoulders um, are how I embrace my loved ones. Or even like I have like little rolls back here Mm -hmm. that I don't love. But it's just like when I'm embraced by a loved one, that's where their hands rest. Right. Um, So just really finding gratitude within myself, Mm -hmm. even if it's not from myself. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? No, yeah, yeah, it does. Um, And saying that, you know, like I don't love these things about my body. And that's probably and some of these things are never going to change, probably. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And I can still be at home within myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So giving people body joy um, versus body love, which. It's hard and really unattainable for some people. Yeah. So two things while we were talking about this that came to mind. The first, I haven't thought about this for years, especially after I moved here. But I remember um, back home in Indonesia, we have this kind of like a wet market um flea market type area space Mm -hmm. like five minutes away from my parents uh houses and I remember my auntie going so much Mm -hmm. because we would get shipments of 
clothing that aren't perfect that fashion companies would essentially dump. Mm. And we would get them. So she would find Gucci scarves, LV jacket, like all these branded items. And she would pay less than a dollar for those. Holy crap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I didn't think about that until right now. And I was like, oh, holy shit. They dumped their trash on us. Yeah. (laughs) And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, it's. I don't know. It's just, but at the same time, like the people back home, they use that as a way of sustainability and like, mm-hmm. hey, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah. <laughs> like that's really like the mindset. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I fuck with that. And I never minded like my auntie going there and I actually would ask her, hey, if you find something cool and something nice, can you like get me some? <laughs> yeah. Like, like give so me some I'm Gucci flip flops. I found like, or she's, she had found things and she would give them to me. And I just thought it was like that came to mind. I was like, what the freak? Like it was just like mind blowing. And the second thing, I recently had to buy um, like a white dress because um, my sister is pregnant. And at first the gender reveal idea was for everyone to wear white because she doesn't want to have any team blue team pink because Mm -hmm. no matter what the baby is going to be she just wants love for the baby yeah and i totally agree with her and i was like yeah i love that and so i was in the market for a white dress Mm -hmm. and then i went to different sites i went to fashion nova Mm -hmm. everything is way too colorful (laughs) <laughs> everything would fit way too tight like not yeah. like not like everything is so skimpy and i'm like i'm not that type of person yeah. like i don't want to go to my sister's gender reveal revealing everything and yeah. all my curves you know in sexy I'm, I'm not trying to steal your man exactly like, exactly and that's you should I always show up as the hot auntie okay <laughs> <laughs> always no i will show Huge up me. as the um disruptive auntie (laughs) and the chaotic auntie i don't care i'm fine with that um no but then i decided hey what if i start looking for like sustainable fashion companies so Mm -hmm. i looked it up i looked at google and most of them stopped their sizing at large yeah and I was like, well, this um, is a problem. And on top of that, I was also on a budget. And most of them are so expensive. And yeah. I was just like, well, this is a no. Or a lot of them are also very, the style that I'm looking for, it's not that. So I was like, okay, this is out of the question. So I ended up going to Amazon and I found this super cute white dress. And I'm like loving it. But at the same time, I feel kind of like awful because Why? i'm like first of all i don't know where it comes from mm-hmm. i think it comes from china and we know that there's a huge problem with child labor and forced labor in china especially in the fashion industry modern day slavery yeah yes i think of it as cool at least you know that there might be some sketchiness happening mm-hmm. but Unfortunately, unfortunately, we're at a time where it's like whatever's accessible. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't have enough things to support plus size community. Right. Um, that's 
you know, decent on budget that mm-hmm. fits your body mm-hmm. and supporting the world. Like there's not enough of it. And this yeah. is why Chelsea is building her, you know, right. company yeah. to like then yeah. support you. Mm-hmm. And, but we don't have enough of that. So we can say like, and we can educate ourselves on mm-hmm. what we think is going to be the best option, mm-hmm. but there's only so much we can do right now true yeah from that unless you're gonna start your own brand maddie oh my gosh please it's kind of like i don't even know anything about sizing (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of like what do you it doesn't matter like like i still need my husband's help to shop clothes because then he'll be like "Mm, that doesn't look good on you yeah (laughs) well i mean i think too like i think what you just expressed is that again living in that liminal space that we were talking about earlier of like the both and right Mm -hmm. and i think kind of like you're aware that like man i don't know where this dress came from it probably came from fast fashion and being like i don't love that but also at the same time you didn't have options yeah right and i think that's kind of what i'm trying to do is create options for people yeah um and you know yes sustainable fashion does cost more right Mm -hmm. because a huge part about being a sustainable fashion brand as well is, and like you have all these certifications, but it, it is looking from everything from crop to mm-hmm. labor yeah. to production to getting to you. Right. Right. So it's making sure that the cotton that was used didn't have like awful pesticides put on it that now is in the soil and now in the water and in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, making sure that the labor of the person who, you know, picked it and also maybe even produced it, mm-hmm. um, they're giving paid a livable wage right, in yeah. their in their economic, mm-hmm. like where they are in the world, yeah. right? Because like we could pay them on US dollars, that's just going to inflate things, right? Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about giving people livable wages we're talking about livable wages where the in their region right Mm -hmm. right um which when you do the math on that that it's insane but yeah um (laughs) so yeah like so and then it getting to you in a sustainable way right so like so all these things so that's what you're paying for and also Mm -hmm. you're paying like let's be honest when you buy something from fast fashion places it typically like you maybe get like three wears at it out of it like on the least on the small end and then sometimes it lasts but most of the time like it rips and then you're throwing yeah. it away and mm-hmm. it's not biodegrading in the right you right. know what i'm saying yeah. and you can also recycle your, your clothing a lot of people don't know this about not, donations or actually recycle you can recycle those ripped jeans that like you're like no one's gonna want these donating this is ri- like ridiculous yeah you can recycle it and Holy but like shit. it's not something that's known so again like this is part of the education piece that i want people like that i want to engage people with right is that like there are places where you can recycle your clothing. Huh. You know? Wait, recycle how? Like, it's like a separate bin, separate, like, facility. Yeah, so it wouldn't be, like, curbside recycle. Right. Um, You would have to, like, you know, find a place that has a bin that accepts it and Mm. recycles it to that company. Or you can set up, like, a direct thing with your home to that company. Mm. Um, That's Or you can just drop it off to that space if it's in your local region. Um, cause again, like most, most of the things that we're using are synthetic. So mm-hmm. plastic. Yeah. Mm. So it can be melted down and repurposed into something new. Cause um, when you said recycle, I thought like, so I'm not the greatest at doing laundry. <laughs> like my whites will turn out yellow. So <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. for me, it's like recycle. Oh, okay. So all my whites, I can just like cut, like I can just dye them black. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> that's like my thought. But I didn't know that that companies offer that. Yeah. And I thought that's really, really cool because I, I do have a lot. Yeah. So about like <laughs> 85% of the clothing that we wear can actually be recycled. Okay. Right. So that's another place where it's just like mm-hmm. part of the reason why the fashion industry is one of the most polluted industries mm-hmm. because nobody recycles no it. No one's recycling it. It's going wow. to landfill. It can't be... It doesn't biodegrade. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing, too. So, you know, so, yeah. And I think, too, like, when it comes to sustainable fashion, I'm not going to lie to people and tell you it's going to be more cheap. It's not. Yeah. It is going to mm-hmm. be more expensive. Yeah. Right? But it, it, you're investing in something. You know, I think kind of, like, why vintage shopping is so, why we all love it, or even, like, that jacket that you got from your great-grandma that mm-hmm. is still working that you can pass down to your child and they can pass down to their child mm-hmm. is because things were created well. Mm, they were yeah. created slower. Yeah. Right? Um, fast fashion is this new phenomenon where it's just like, pump it out. Mm-hmm. There, There's not even a demand and we're just assuming that there will be a demand and if it's not a demand, then we're just going to throw it away mm-hmm. or we're going to burn it or we're going to dump it on a poor country. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's what we call environmental racism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, and there's a lot of stories of like old computer parts being dumped in different places that you know aren't considered a, a developed com- country. Mm-hmm. Which it, even how we talk about that is gross. Yeah. Right. Um, and children getting po- being poisoned by the bits of trash that is right next to their homes and that is in their soil that they're growing their food in. All these things, right? And the reason why it's going there is because they don't have the economic means to say no. Yeah. Right? And it's gross. And even, like, I think it's really fascinating that that thought came to your mind Mm -hmm. because that, yes, is it sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. It is, right? Because, like, it's otherwise clothing that would have just gone to the landfill. Right. Right? And it's getting a new life. Mm -hmm. But I think the practice of how it's happening is what we call environmental racism. Yeah. Right? And even why um, donating your clothing, like, if, it, if it's not good quality stuff, recycle it, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise no one's going to buy it and it's either going to get burnt yeah. or it's going to get shipped to a third world country. Right. And then they're going to have to figure out what to do with yeah. it. Like there's so many articles of like shiploads of, you know, clothing coming into countries and people like countries actually saying no, like we, like we have nowhere to put this. Like, this is just you dumping your trash on us. This is you, consu- you consuming and putting it on us, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, uh, yeah, so sustainable fashion costs more, but in the long run, it has way more, like, longevity. Yeah. And it's going to last, Yeah. right? You're going to be able to pass this on to your great-granddaughter, grandson, child, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's awesome. So, like... A more expensive upfront cost, but less expensive over time because you're not... Because you don't have to buy all the time. Exactly. So you're actually spending more money because you keep getting that chub rub in your jeans, Mm. which Revival will be doing something with that soon. So keep your eyes out on that. I'm excited. (laughs) Uh, But I don't want to release it too soon because, yeah, I have to still have to tinker with some things to make it work. But, um, yeah, so... Damn. I... Yeah, I think... Maybe a lot of us might be a little mind blown by the recycling clothing. I've always thought of that, but I never took the time to do any research on it. Mm-hmm. I typically, I, I just end up donation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's primarily what I do, but wow. 
If it's like totally worn out, then definitely won't. Yeah. Like um, recently we had a box of, um, do you guys use your double sheets? <laughs> because we don't. Like for like your oh, bed sheets. Yeah. You know how there's like that. The oh, thin like the sheet. One? The loose one. Oh, yeah, not no. the fitted sheets. We don't use that at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Never. We have, <laughs> Julio Never. and I, our bed is very unconventional. <laughs> so it's. It's technically a day bed mm-hmm. that you can pull and then you can fit two twin beds, mm. making it kind of like a little bit bigger than king size bed. Yeah. Like the size is very, very weird. So we ended up having to always buy two sets of twin sheets, mm. which, by the way, I'm trying to change that. I'm going to see if my mom can help me um, find like good fabric and whatnot and make them in Indonesia. Like I'm going to have to like measure the bed and everything. Mm-hmm. And so we have stacks of loose sheets. They're brand new. Yeah. The fabrics are still spanking brand new. And I was like, well, what are we going to do with this? And Julio was like, well, I don't know. Like, it's just the loose sheet. What, like, what color is it? Gray and black. Can I mm. use that for photos? Well, okay, yeah. that's As the like, thing. You also can donate it to Revival Apparel that's the thing. and yeah. we'll make new we, things out of right. it. Right. See, mm, I so. thought about that and I was like, well, but who's going to like make clothes out of this? So we still ended up like donating it to Goodwill in hopes oh. that someone will find these fabrics. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can make something out of this. I've been wanting this type of fabric because the, um, the purple mattress sheets that we got, it's very stretchy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But it's also kind of thick, but it's not thick that it's, like, very heavy. Huh. So it's still kind of, like, thin and it's, like, breathable. And I was just like, you know, if someone can make a dress out of this, will be this will be perfect. And so I was like, okay, like, let's just donate this. At first he was like, babe, it doesn't make sense. Where's the fitted sheet? And I was like, okay, the point is not for people to buy this for their beds. Yeah. The point is if they need fabric. This is still brand new fabric that they can use. Yeah. So that's what we ended up doing. But it's kind of like there was like a lot of back and forth between me and him. And I was like, I'll drop it off. Like, you don't even have to know where it's going. I'll drop it off. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, now, you know, different <laughs> different places. Right. Yeah, right. And <laughs> also, too, like with Revival Apparel. So uh, it's, it's really hard to find quality plus size things mm-hmm. in the thrift store like yeah. sometimes you find it sometimes you don't mm-hmm. yeah um so a part of what phase two would be um slow fashion right mm-hmm. and what slow fashion is is that you create a stock item mm-hmm. that you give people the option of like different fabrics yeah um and then you just send in your sizes and okay. they'll custom fit it they'll custom fit it to Damn. what it is that you're looking for i love that right so revival apparel will be moving into that eventually mm-hmm. of like the slow fashion um finding that really cute dress like that white dress you know like mm-hmm. you could have selected one of the stock dresses and be like oh i want that one in white and here are my sizes yeah right um and utilizing there's a brand that um uh it it recovers luxury fabrics from luxury brands because what they used to do for exclusivity reasons they would burn it yeah or just throw it away yeah Mm. um so they're like no like if it doesn't have a logo on it like we'll take it um and we'll like resell it to people who will make something new out of it so that's part of it and then also using things like sheets right Mm -hmm. where especially like 100 percent cotton sheets so super breathable yeah breaks down the environment you know and it's like and also in that situation it's like they weren't haven't been used right like they're Mm -hmm. just 
sitting there. Yeah. So, like, making something out of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I was, like, so inspired by The Sound of Music because she made clothes out of curtains. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if you can make clothes out of curtains, what? Like, who <laughs> says you can't make clothes out of bed sheets? Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I told her. I, I mean, was like, honestly, I'm donating this because who knows? Maybe someone needs fabric. Yeah, like, I've seen people make, like, whole, like, editorial style clothing out of comforters. Comforters? Damn. Wow. Comforters. Oh, my God. Where I'm like, wait a minute. And she's like, yeah, I made it out of comforter. I'm like, stop it. She's like, yeah. And I'm was like, it thick or was it? Well, she so, just know, tore down it, the yeah, thinner yeah, part. So I was like, you know, I wouldn't wear it in the summertime. Like, like a, a winter coat? fashion. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So it was a coat. So she made a coat and then she made um, like the shirt, I think, was out of like a curtain mm. and then the pants were also out of a curtain. Mm. Right. But the jacket itself was made out of a comforter. So cool. Um, and I was just like, that is so awesome. Yeah. And it's just again, like the whole point of revival is giving something old a new life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and yeah. So I always cool. love watching like videos of people buying stuff or even using their old parents' stuff and then making it into like something that will fit them perfectly or like mm-hmm. even really deconstruct the fabric and then they make something new out of it. Yeah. Like I love watching that. And honestly, I I can't wait to see where you're going to take revival. Sweet. Well, <laughs> well, I was like, oh, I looked at the document just a little bit because I just want to make I, sure. I did too. I was like, make sure. The only thing that I do want to mention is yeah. a fact, which okay. I think is really fascinating. Um, when we're talking about like environmentalism and climate change and how it disproportionately affects um, Mar- black yeah. and brown communities. Yeah. Um, so with Latinx people, um, 63% of them um, are experiencing more pollution than, than than they produce, right? So it's like, that's a huge number. Yeah. Where it's just like, so more than half of Latinx people in America are being um, impacted by pollution, and it's not even pollution that they're producing, right? So when we're talking about this conversation of like sustainability and pollution, um, black and brown communities actually pr- like produce the less, po- like the least amount of produ- or Produ- pollution. Mm-hmm. That was a tongue tie. <laughs> um, and a lot of that is because, you know, like we reuse like the butter containers as, mm-hmm. you know, like we're very resourceful. Mm-hmm. So we're not waste. We're very not wasteful either. Like there's less food waste because we're consuming it. We're eating right. it. Like we're yeah. not cooking more than we need to. Yeah. Um, or we're buying things that are dried and like we can revive it with water and right. remake mm-hmm. it. Right. Or make it into something new. Um, so yeah. So 63% of the Latinx community is being introduced to pollution that, um, more pollution than they produce. Huh. Um, 56% of black people are um, experiencing more pollution than they produce. And here's the kicker. For white people, 17% less than the pollution that they produce. Right? So it's like, and they are <laughs> the number one polluter. Right. Yeah. But they're not experiencing the impacts of their pollution, mm. which is some of the problem we're talking about climate change, environmentalism, all these things is because, you know, 
in America right now, the largest demographic that's changing drastically. But right now, and for most of the years, the largest demographic is producing the most pollution, but they're not seeing the effects of their pollution. Right. Right. So it's like this disengaged reality um, to where to the point where they're like, oh, climate change isn't real. Right. And then you see all these really awful things happening in the environment. Yeah. Um, Indiana being one of them, the fires that are happening. I'm pretty sure like New Mexico and California were on fire for the longest. There's a time in Colorado, what, two years ago where it was simultaneously snowing and on fire. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, even what earlier this year, yeah. like yeah. this year when the Boulder fires. Yeah. And, um, it like took out Louisville. Mm-hmm. And more than a thousand homes got well, burned. One of the bold, one of the reason for the Boulder fire is because of a religious group. They wanted to prove God's will or something like what? that. What? They, they yeah. So it was, it was, it was the wind. They intentionally. <laughs> it was okay. So they, they intentionally light things on fire because they wanted to see God's will and they wanted to see how far the wind can take the fire. Shut up. And then it got out of hand. Yeah, that was, <gasps> yeah, so that's true. that's this year. That was the one. That from was this? the Boulder so fire. One of the one of the reasons for the Boulder fire because two things happened that day. One of them was from the power line, I believe. Yeah, and then because everything was so dry and because we're in a drought, yeah, it caught fire. And then I think they couldn't get to it fast enough, and then it starts spreading. And then the yeah. second one was because of that. Yeah, the high oh wind, so they couldn't like God. dispatch. Mm-hmm. You know, the air patrol team that douses, you yeah. know, uses that fire retardant essentially which mm-hmm. is also very toxic for the environment um so even God, how we're so, so even how we're fighting <laughs> climate change and all these things is also bad yeah. um but yeah so but i mean speaking on that is like building resiliency within communities right because that's going to be the next big step with the way things are going with climate change is mm-hmm. that you know we've obviously yes we can always reverse the amount of carbon that we're releasing into the environment but we're hitting that point where we're going to start seeing extreme natural disasters right yeah tornadoes hurricanes like floods earthquakes Mm -hmm. volcanoes all these things like we're going to start seeing the extreme of that because of um the disparity that we've put on the environment um so the reason why uh, unfortunately too why the boulder fire was so uh drastic and damaging is because of the lack of resiliency yeah um even when we're designing communities and Mm. infrastructure Mm -hmm. of like how can we design this to um lessen the uh damage the damage Mm -hmm. and also like the progression of a fire Uh, spread yeah yeah Yeah, so it's very multifaceted but it is yeah recently i saw um I don't know if everyone know, but apparently Kylie Jenner took a three-minute private jet ride to go to McDonald's. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I did not see that. Yeah. So, and she would take like 30 (laughs) minutes private jet jet plane to take her daughter somewhere. (sighs) Because she didn't want to sit in traffic for 40 minutes. She's pregnant. Give her the benefit of the doubt. No, she right, wasn't Maddie? pregnant anymore, I think. So uh, I was I was messing with you. <laughs> I was like, because, yeah. like, like, I don't know. Like, now we're talking about sustainability. We're talking about climate change. 
everyone else is trying to do the best they are, they can. Like, we literally only have one car because I'm a stay-at-home mom and, like, I don't mind sharing a car. I don't mind that I walk to Zoe's ballet class. I don't mind yeah. if we take the RTD if we have to meet up with Julio in downtown. And yet you hear things like that, a three-minute jet ride because she didn't want to sit in traffic. One thing for me that's frustrating about, like you mentioned transportation, what's frustrating for me about Denver is I feel like the way Denver was built was not no. to provide this many people. No. Yeah. And so we didn't necessarily begin a system of public transportation right. mm-hmm. to support us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's frustrating is if it felt like I was in a sense, not only saving time, but also being like, it, it felt like I could stop more often or whatever that may be like New York as an example yeah, with their yeah. Metro. Obviously I can't compare us to Metro, but our, we were never designed to have a Metro. Right. And that's, what's frustrating about this is like, I kind of need a car if I'm going to go like yeah. X amount of miles mm-hmm. and it sucks because I know that I, I do actually kind of enjoy public transportation. The amount of people that are weird on it is uncanny. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes I like the life people thrill watching, of, man. am I going to die today? Yeah. Sometimes I'll say sometimes. <laughs> uh, should I brought a knife? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an adventure. <laughs> it's an adventure. But also you get to see more of your city and like the type of people around you. So I, I do enjoy public transportation mm-hmm. print public transportation but it just doesn't feel accessible and i feel like that's the worst part about sustainability is we're never creating accessibility for anyone it's not like because even from my place to the light rail station it takes 10 minutes to get there time to get there so it's always like okay so who can help me take me and my daughter to the light rail station because obviously I can't just be hauling car seat everywhere. Yeah. Um, if I walk from my place to the light rail station, it will take hours mm-hmm. because from my place to her ballet, which is only two minutes in the car ride, it'll take me 30 minutes to 40 minutes walking. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing that's always insane for me mm-hmm. is that like, oh, well, it's only like 10 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And then like you look at, how long it would take to bike or to, because I love biking, or walk. And mm-hmm. you're like, how is it an hour? Right. And again, so it's like, not only is it just like our our streets and, um, yeah, our streets particularly weren't built um, in, a, in a strategic way for the amount of people who are currently in Denver. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, Den- like you said, Denver was never meant to be this huge. Yeah. Right? Because if you think about even where we are. Yeah, no. It was- like, especially, like, if you think about, like, the old, like, especially back in the time, like, back, 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 when people were still in wooden carts. It was, yeah. like, a small town. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, even the fact that there was a city established here, like, is baffling because of how high up in the mountains it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that's baffling alone, right? So I, I think, like, no one ever expected Denver to be what it was because they were shocked that a city existed here anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? So I think, like, now that we're here, fast forward hundreds of years later, we're in this place of, oh, crap, like, 
we didn't think about building infrastructure Mm -hmm. for these amount of people because we just never thought this amount of people would be here. But with that being said, we should be also thinking strategically of like, okay, but now there are these amount of people here. So we need to create like bus lanes, bike lanes, sidewalks, like sidewalks are, is optional in Denver, which is also (laughs) ableist. Yeah, it's optional because yeah. like either because like so the homeowner it's not own something like that the like the city itself is accountable for it's the homeowner in front of the house or in front of the street or a business owner in front of that sidewalk, right? Does that make sense? So not the street, the sidewalk. I misspoke. I guess that makes sense because we're required to uh, plow like our sidewalks because. But it's not just plowing. It's like so if there's like you know, just nature and trees were to like break the sidewalk, Mm -hmm. you're, you have to replace it. So a lot of people like, you know, just not thinking, just being like, oh, I'm just going to be more like economical for my family. They just got rid of the sidewalk. Yeah, but it's not accessible for people. It's not accessible for people who who need wheelchair or like, or for people who like have canes Mm -hmm. or it's just, or also like, how guilty would you feel just walking in front of somebody's house in their grass? You'd be like, I feel I like know. I'm trespassing. Especially as a person of color, like, I'm like, please don't shoot me. <laughs> yeah, because like, I'm just trying to get s- to the poor buses. <laughs> people are so weird with their grass. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Well, here's the thing. Okay, I have to be honest, though. I didn't know until as a homeowner that dog piss can kill grass. Yeah. And so I, I generally... know that. Oh, you'll... Oh, also rabbit. Rabbits? Yeah. I don't have enough rabbits in my lawn yet, but like that's a good point. I'm gonna catch it out. It's actually very acidic that it kills grass, and that mm. the fact that they munch on it, and also ducks or geese, like because when they eat, they don't just like they pull it out. Mm. So, mm. but nature. <laughs> so animals <laughs> pee, and they kill your grass. And the the ish, there's two things, right? It's like. <sighs> I'm frustrated because I have to have this specific type of grass that's not sustainable in Colorado. Oh, do you, are, are you in a deed a deed community? Yeah, yeah, it's like an HOA based. Yeah. yeah, but even anywhere, like anywhere you really go in in Colorado, um, unless you have like land title, blah blah blah, and you don't have a community um, guidelines, unless you have that, because then you can have wild grass mm-hmm. weeds, whatever you're required to have this specific kind of grass, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least it needs to look groomed and all of these stuff. So (laughs) I get annoyed because my neighbors will just let their dogs just piss on our lawn. And I'm like, no, like, didn't (laughs) didn't your mama tell you not to walk on somebody's grass? Like, like, is this coming? Is this privilege? (laughs) Is is this a microaggression right now? (laughs) Would you do this if I was white? (laughs) I don't want to be that person that is like, keep your dogs off my lawn and like have that sign because you're like, anytime you see that, you're like, wow, this person might be a bitch. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I owned a dog and I saw that, I'd be like, be like Mikey, go sick him. Oh, go pee. Go pee. <laughs> yeah, see? see, that's what I mean. Like, I'm not gonna be that person. I just need you to know that I'm thinking to get your dog off my lawn. Yeah. 
But I didn't know that dog pee kills grass. So now I'm thinking about all of this very different where I'm like, wow, all those passive aggressive people who actually bought a sign saying, keep your dog off my grass. No, for sure. And I'm like, oh, well, if it is killing your grass and you are that type of person who loves your grass or. Well, you can get an an HOA HOA fee. Yeah, you can get get a fine. Yeah. It sucks. You you have to get your dog like vitamins in order to get it, get rid of it. Mm. And they're so expensive. But is that even healthy for your dog? Exactly. Or you never know. The other option is then you water the grass as soon as mm. because the heat will kind of like evaporate. Ev- the it'll acid? like it'll be like yes, and it just dead. <laughs> it'll so I don't know. Yeah, I think it's well, maybe but, the acid okay, of the pee so just you, kills it. I know we're like on a weird tangent talking about dog pee, <laughs> but like it's not sustainable. All right. No. <laughs> All you dog owners out there, unsustainable. <laughs> but like, if you water it, won't the dog pee go inside the roots? Then, like, just yeah, no, it just down? no, it, it seems to work. I don't know why, but I think it's just like maybe the chemicals aren't as strong, and so it kind of just alleviates the, yeah, the intensity it. of it, diluting. Yeah. Okay. Um, but <laughs> unless you do that, like right away, it's less likely that the piss is going to show up. But is that sustainable? Of using water every right. five seconds, or whoever knows, like mm-hmm. so. Yeah, being a homeowner and, sucks. And oh, what was <laughs> that? I said, yeah, being a homeowner sucks. Yeah, this is like some of the things that, like, again, like when you can't do it all, right? But you also want to be like conscious of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I think that's one of them. Like for me, like when I'm a homeowner, I'm like I want to make sure like I don't have an HOA, which is oh for sure, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. not always a, like easy. But then also, too, like, bringing it back to, like, I want to make sure that, like, is using this water sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, there's a space where you just, you have to allow grace, right, for yeah. yourself, which is, you know, also why um, I want to educate people with revival as well, is to give them a safe space to learn and a safe space to, like, ask questions, but also just, like, not approaching sustainability from white supremacy culture, like, which is urgency. There mm-hmm. is, yes. Like climate change is an urgent matter for sure, but not so much to the point where you can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Not so much to the point where you can't pause and say, be reflective. Um, Cause urgent is like, I need a response now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have time to process the fact that I just read this fact and how that affects me. I just read this fact and I have to go. What's your stance on it? Are you pro or against? And it's just like, can yeah. I process this? Mm. Can I just like sit in this a little bit more? Right. So yeah, I think that's that's part of it as well. So it's just like knowing that you can't do it all, mm-hmm. but you can do something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and whatever that something is, doing it well. Um so yeah, giving people grace and being like, it's not all on you. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think that's some of some of it too. Is that like we're, we have this like impending doom if we don't change? And I'm one of those. Yeah. Like, if we don't change our ways now, nothing else matters. Me planning my future doesn't matter because Mother Earth might just smite us all and take us all out. <laughs> so if we don't correct things, that or war, that too, that or nukes. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if you don't die from climate change, you die from a pandemic. Um, uh, you might die from nuclear war. Uh, or you might die just from Mental health. Mental health. Mental health. Oh, because they just, like, said that the Supreme Court just voted that the EPA can't uphold any policy. You might just die from lack of 
access to clean air or Damn. clean water. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anything can take you out these days. Life's beautiful. <laughs> you only live once, right? Yeah, you know, you're starting to think that maybe the archaic times when I was running from a saber tooth tiger and that was the only <laughs> thing I had to really worry about was running to li- to live. Everything else was easy. I didn't Damn. have to worry about pollution and all this other crap. I mean, to you, you could have poisoned yourself, <laughs> yes. But like that's all you had to now we're like pandemic, right. clean air, clean water. What else? The uh, all the things. Yeah. Just, and yeah. Oh my god. Before it's just like take, all I had to do was run from a saber tooth tiger. What kinda simple times, that, you know? Kind of taking that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or climb, because Let's see. I mean, let's be honest. Your girl's not really a runner. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I rather climb a tree. <laughs> I run I often, from my problems, but I don't actually run. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, why would I run if some if someone's not chasing me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I understand. <laughs> I often want to just hide and and go to make my own little commune. But um, yes. But then I also don't know how in tune I am with like other people in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like I don't want to be surrounded by people constantly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And like say, hey, did you make some clothes? Hey, um, how are your herbs doing? Like, I wouldn't do that. I would just go out and just grab it from you. So mm-hmm. I didn't have to like communicate all the time. And then you'd be like, what a bitch Jay is. She just came what in I my have, house. I'm just not going to make her garment next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't I, need her eggs because Jesse has eggs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's too much drama in that. And it's just a lot of energy dealing with people. And so then I resort back to, can I do all of that by myself? No communes aren't for me i need i need convenience <laughs> well you know hey i think too like that's the thing like we're not all we're not meant to do things by ourselves, right i think like the point of human existence is to be here for each other mm-hmm. and to make it better for the next generation mm-hmm. right so but with that being said am i an introvert yeah probably after this am i gonna go home wrapped up in a blanket eat some food and like yeah. shut my door mm-hmm. probably and that's okay. And that's okay. Every all is needed. <laughs> <laughs> so to wrap this up, the message that I'm hearing is fuck the patriarchy. Do your best to educate yourself on mm-hmm. sustainability and give yourself grace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. I, and love the skin that you're in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. While you do it. Mm. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being here. Yeah. That was uh, hopefully enough to absorb. Hopefully not too much to absorb. But um, I mean, take out what you must and deal with what, what it, you need, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. But I loved everything you said. It was very philosophical for me. So I'm like, <laughs> you're like stimulating. That's a quote. Stimulating. Yes. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> It's very educational for sure. Like, there's a lot there. A lot, yeah, a lot that everyone can take and learn from. And yeah, I, I, I really hope that this episode really lights some knowledge and new revelation for everyone. Mm. Because, like, who knows? You can recycle clothes. 
That's something very new for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. Anyway, we hope that you come back on soon so we can talk about more of this. But um, thank you so much for being here. Mm -hmm. And I hope you and everyone else out there, I don't know, has like a good day or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Stay groovy. groovy. (laughs) Whatever. No big deal. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. Bye. (laughs) See you. Today's affirmation. I feel all self-hatred melting away. I am letting go of judgment and criticism. Stay safe. Stay sexy. Wild baby. Oh, we're so cute. (laughs) You like your cupcakes and sprinkles? Yeah. That was a good cupcake. (laughs) 